Welcome to our special Thanksgiving episode of Decaf. Um, I'm already at home. Mark, what are you what are you even doing for Thanksgiving? Well, you, first of all, you just went inside. Like she was outside and it wasn't working. Now you kind of look like a, like you're Rachel? an angel or something. Yeah, yeah, you have like, well, it's not true, but you, you have the light shining in. Um, so for Thanksgiving this year, I normally go on a vacation. Um, because of everything going on, I did not. And I'm, I'm just going to spend the day um, with my girlfriend and her family. So it'll be oh, nice. That's sweet. I'm going to not be able to really watch football, though, for the first time really ever because they don't have cable. So I'm going to have to try to get through that. And my fantasy football playoffs are, are heating up. So it'll be interesting. But I'm going to I'm going to make it through and not check my phone too much. Honestly, it's probably good that you can't watch sports because you need to be on your best behavior with your girlfriend's family. And I don't trust you when you're watching sports. <laughs> so let me say this. though: here's one thing I felt like a lot of people when their teams are losing or like when they're upset, they, they yell and they throw stuff. I'm the opposite way. I can just like silent and like, I won't talk to people, but like, I'm not like the way I think is just by not talking, just going like this and just keep shaking my head. So, I mean, that is better than like being angry. I guess let's actually talk about that. Let's talk about your tone for a second. Okay. Mark, <laughs> Mark got this amazing new device and I don't know if he's going to think it's so amazing in a few weeks because I'm, I'm going to need to be able to log into this Mark, tell them what you got, what it does and the egregious lie that it told you about the, about the adjectives that describe you. Well, one of them was right. I think you'll agree, but yeah, so I got, this is my new thing. It's called an Amazon halo. It's actually not out yet. You can still pre-order it. I think it comes out in like two oh, it's or three not weeks. out yet. Well, no, no, I, I had to sign up for a list and I got picked. So uh, it's not because I'm special. I just was happy to be on Amazon. But it's similar to like a, a Fitbit um, where it takes steps and all those things, how, how you sleep, normal stuff. But then it's got a couple extra like features, which I love. And the one it has is tone. So you have to do these, these things. So it knows your voice and then it can hear your conversations that you have creepy. with other people. That's creepy. But, it is. but you like that kind of stuff. But I mean, so think about me though, and you too, like as somebody who talks to other people, sometimes it's good to know what your tone is and, and how they will see. Cause sometimes you leave a meeting, you're like, I thought I came off this way. And you look and like, no, not at all. So it's supposed to kind of go through conversation and talk about how you are. And it goes, it has notable moments from every conversation you were in. So you can see exactly where it went well and where it didn't. So my <laughs> most common adjectives I looked at it were my number one was amused. Apparently I'm amused more than anything. Uh, kind of nice. I got warm, friendly, and then stubborn. I did get stubborn. Stubborn was that was the one I thought you'd agree with. Um, so those were kind of the those were the four that described me the most in just random conversations. But it doesn't quite get like sarcasm. Like I was kind of yelling as a joke, and I thought I was angry, which I get. But if they heard what I was saying, like they wouldn't under they didn't understand. So, but it's a really cool thing, and I think it's. It, it takes a lot of battery, but it's something we can all use because we never know sometimes how we come off. Like think about how many meetings that you left or, or just friend conversations where they took it differently than you did. And it's just understanding exactly how you came off. Yeah. Happens to me literally all the time, or rather I get too sensitive about how someone else feels. Um, so maybe, maybe I should get that for my other friends who speak at like loud volumes or really aggressively. And I'm like, even the watch is saying that you're being aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, yeah, I mean, that sounds like it's a direct hit at me, but that sounds good. But no, they, they do have, you can do, um, you can have your friend's voice on there too. So you can monitor other people. Yeah. So it's a really cool thing. I get why it's like a little bit creepy, but for me, it's like, that's something I'm always trying to improve. It's like, you can always improve your tone and things like that. And you want to come off as, as happy and grateful, unless you're not trying to, if you want to come off as angry, you come off as um, happy, then you didn't get your point across. 
Well, my sister, we're uh, my sister's newly engaged and we're planning a wedding in our house. So maybe I should get one and have it recognize her voice and label her when she's being a bridezilla. This is excellent for two weeks at home Thanksgiving and two weeks at home during Christmas. I might invest. It sounds like you're just finding ways to hold stuff against people, though. It yeah. kind of seems like, okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, not exactly what I'm doing, but that, that's cool, too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here for the party. Um so let's let's uh, let's talk about something that's going on here in Nashville that actually I think it might have just come out today or yesterday um, that Nashville has decided to keep children out of school from Thanksgiving through the end of the semester. And, you know, my job as the outreach director is to connect with parents. And Stephanie and I connected with a mom yesterday who is just really having a hard time. She wants to go back to work. She can't. One of her children is in the third grade and can go back to school. The other is in fifth in her middle school. She's never met her middle school teachers. Um, and it's just becoming disheartening for a lot of kids, a lot of parents. I saw this is kind of off topic, but I'll, I'll bring it back around. I saw the other day that there's a crisis in nursing homes of old people dying of loneliness, which is so sad. But I just think that this whole pandemic season has shown us that there is something to be said for safety, but there's also something to be said for we're humans that need connection. And especially with our oldest and our youngest populations, they, you know, the kids that don't have cell phones and the old people that don't know how to work a cell phone, those of us in the middle are still connecting pretty well, but it's it's just a sad series of events, I think. I'm a little bit more sympathetic to the whole, um, obviously older people, it's like they could literally die if they get it. So. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if dying of loneliness is like, is that like a medical thing? I didn't know there was like a real thing. I don't. I saw it on NBC news. So who knows? Uh, <laughs> yes. After you trash mainstream media last right. week, we're going to say NBC news, but um, no, but I understand that a little bit more, but I mean, the, the kids thing makes absolutely no sense because they're the least at risk population. Um, basically everything has shown that schools have been great. And, and like, there's no reason that they should not get back to school. You're not following science. I, I don't even think, I think maybe one, not there might be one child or zero children actually died from, from this at school. So yeah. it, it's just a, it's another example. We keep talking about this, that you need, if you're going to trust the science, you need to trust it all the time. And even the Atlantic, which is not a, not a right-leaning publication was like, yeah, like we need to follow the science and kids need to get back to school. Yeah. So this is a partisan thing. It's just, it's common sense. You can find the numbers and it, it's this hard issue because there's so many people like us and kind of a beacon where we do, we understand the severity of this. We know that COVID is a real thing. We know that we should take, we should, we should take less chances and we should be smart about things. But at the same time, we also understand the government needs to stop overreaching, doing things that aren't effective and killing people's livelihoods. There is a middle ground. It's not just the people who think, oh, this is a fake thing and a hoax or people who want to say shut down everything. There's a really big middle ground. I feel like a lot of governors and mayors that are, are mostly um, left-leaning have just gone so far and they don't understand that most of the population is like us. We're concerned about it. It matters. And we understand some small restrictions. We don't think you should be able to shut down businesses. We don't think you should shut down schools without any kind of numbers to back it up. And, and there's just there's just this real disconnect, I think, among the, the two farther sides when like 85% of us are in that middle ground. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's really silly that private schools are in and daycares are in and public schools aren't. I think they've even done contact tracing of teachers who have gotten COVID and found that they're not getting it at the school, but they're getting it at restaurants and other things that they choose to do, which is a calculated risk that I've taken going to restaurants that we all take as adults. 
to go to restaurants or to go to the grocery store or whatever, you take a calculated risk of I could get sick here, but it's not happening at the actual schools. And that's really upsetting. Another thing that's really upsetting is um, this rule of eight that all of these officials, including Nashville's mayor, seem to think works. I'm sorry, but if you're going to tell me that I can't have more than eight people in my house, like that's, that, that ain't going to work. Like <laughs> I'm a property rights person, but even more than that, I'm a common sense person. You can't tell me that in a group larger than eight, everyone's going to get sick and die. That's just not, that. it doesn't make sense. And Justin actually wrote a really great blog post on it about how all of these mandates that governors and mayors keep throwing down at people is making us not take this seriously at all. It's, it's cheapening our trust in our elected officials. Yeah, I mean, the role of eight on top of all that is just a complete infringement of, of any rights that, to not allow certain people in your house. Um, but my biggest thing is I just wish I would respect Mayor Cooper way more if he just came out and just honest and said, you know what? I don't really care about science. Science is not important to me. Um, I want these things that I think are the best thing to do. I don't have anything to base it on. Um, and, and I'm just kind of going by the by the seat of my pants and saying, I like this. I don't like this. At least be honest about what you're doing because you're following the science some of the time. The times you're not following it, you're saying, oh, no, this is my science. So, like, you just can't have it both ways. And I wish Mayor Cooper would be honest and say, I don't care about science. <laughs> it's a political ideology, and that's what I want to do. It has nothing to do with science. Just say that, and, and at least at least you're being honest with the people. If I had a dollar for every time Mark said the word science with absolute disgust in his voice <laughs> in 2020, I'd be a rich woman. <laughs> I'm talking about real science, though, not Mayor Cooper's science. Not his <laughs> exactly. Like you say, you always say trust the science with this just like disdain dripping off the word. And I would be a rich woman if I had a dollar every time. But it's true. It's true. I think um, we're not, that's one of the main frustrations, again, with parents that I've talked to is not basing these these policy decisions off anything real. Um, there's a group called A Smarter Nashville, and they're unpacking the numbers. And I've been following their stuff a lot. I'll give them a little shout out. I'll tag them on Twitter. But I've been following their numbers a lot because I find that they are really looking at the genuine numbers behind things. There's other places to get numbers and to get information as opposed to just the government. And the reason that people are turning to these other places is because the government has shown that they actually don't care about the science as much as they want us to think that they do. And they're slapping down these mandates. And we're like, last month you told me I didn't have to wear a mask. This month you told me I did have to wear a mask. Last month you told me six people couldn't sit together at a restaurant. Now you're saying it's eight. Now you're closing businesses at 10. Oh, then it's 11. Okay, now it's 10. It's just, there's no consistency. And that's why I think that people are turning to other places for their information. And one more thing, I really want to give a shout out to, to Fox reporter Dennis Ferrier in, in Nashville. He's done a really good job of at least finding out where these numbers are coming from and trying to ask. I mean, there's not, I don't think he's gotten good answers from, from the government. He's had to use FOIA requests to get anything. But it, it's at least important, whether wherever you stand on it, to figure out why we're doing these things and where it's coming from. And he's been dogged in his pursuit of trying to figure out exactly why these numbers that are killing business and killing livelihoods where they're coming from. So I think we need to give him a shout out and just, just for being a great investigative journalist and try, at least trying to find out whether agree or not why these policies are being put into effect. Yeah, Dennis is the man. Check his stuff out on Fox 17's website. You, you won't be sorry. Um, so there seems to be um, just a struggle for numbers in the public as a, and on, kind of on the other side of things, talk, let's talk about an internal struggle on the nat national side of politics. So we're dealing with a lot of state here with the public getting the right information. On the national side, there seems to be a, an internal struggle going on for what information they want to project 
um, in the Democrat Party. I, and it's shocking to me because I um, firmly believed for the last four years that all mainstream Democrats were going the way of socialism. I really thought that that was going to be the platform that that party was going to to latch on to. And as it turns out, it might not be. I mean, if Joe Biden is, in fact, the president, he's not by all indications of his record and what he's been saying, a socialist. And the Democrats are struggling with how to talk about this and how to talk about what they believe. Yeah, I think there's a couple of points. I mean, you could say what you want about Joe Biden's policies. And I mean, obviously, I, I don't care for most of them. But he has he was the only person on that Democratic stage who actually used the word socialism, socialism as a negative connotation, saying we don't want like this is I am not a socialist. Like I am like he, whether or not it's true, I, I don't know what he's going to push and who he's going to hire. But either way, he, he made the point and he won the primary because he said, I am not part of this thing. Yeah, I have some things. I mean, like that some of their stuff's okay, but I do not want to be a socialist. And after the the kind of bloodbath that, that the Democrats face in the House, they lost, I think it's the most likely scenario is 14 seats at this point. Um, anybody who's moderate is saying like, you guys need to stop with this. Saying socialism, saying deep on the police, saying Medicare for all, we're going to lose all these seats because almost all the 14 seats that were lost are kind of center left. But you had... Democrats who, in a lot of cases, did not vote for President Trump, but voted for the Republican who was running because they didn't want somebody who was that extreme, even if they were a Democrat. And there's this real internal struggle now of which way they're going to go, because the people who are the most popular, have the most Facebook followers, raise the most money, are the people who tend to be socialists. You know, you have a you have AOC, you have um Omar, you have you have some of these uh, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, outrageous voices, and those are people that I follow. It's more of like a hate follow. Like if you heard of their that kind of stuff, like you follow them because you don't like them, and you just want to see what they are saying. Like, I, but they do have a lot of followers because they are outrageous. It doesn't mean that people actually subscribe to what they think. I certainly don't. I just follow them to see what they're saying, to see what kind of crazy thing they're saying one day to the next, because I think that socialism is actually insane and uh, the thing is they're not dumb people i mean you could say i mean bernie's maybe a little bit dumb but you can say what you want about like all their policies are essentially wrong but like elizabeth warren is a harvard professor she's not an idiot you know like she might be wrong about things but she packages it in this way that makes people think it's a good idea and uh the middle of america we keep hearing how all socialism has taken over it's not this election indication it has not taken over people do not want medicare for all even democrats they don't think it's good policy even the Green New Deal, people don't want things like this. And the farther you go left, like th that's why this this real internal crisis. Because in two years, th the Republicans could take over the House, could keep the Senate, and there could be a real issue if they keep pushing this way. And there's a big, and there's a special election in Georgia, which I mean, we're not going to talk about specifically, but where they are worried that this that the Republicans have successfully branded some of these farther left people as socialists. And even people who are more in the middle are getting branded with that because they're, they're getting branded with the most extreme in their party. So it's a real problem for them. And they have to figure it out because they can't lose the enthusiasm or the votes of the far left. Right. But they win elections with just them. So they, they have this really, really tough um, kind of middle ground to find. And, and it's been hard for anybody to find it. And they would be wise to find it because this year during these elections specifically, I don't know if you remember that group in Texas that it was like the, the group of congressmen in Texas that Dan Crenshaw led it. It was a few from kind of all over the country, but he kind of led it and they set and they campaigned on 
vote against socialism. So the Republicans are picking up on this and the Democrats losing 14 seats. That's not pretty. They would be wise to turn this thing around quick before the Republicans keep campaigning on it. And if they do, then that presents a whole nother problem to the Republicans to have to look appealing again, because if the Democrats go more moderate, Will people vote out of fear for Republicans? We don't know. It's just such a great thing. I took a class in college about political parties and the shifting tides of all the messaging. And this is just the one we're dealing with right now. So I will, I definitely will be interested to see if they, wasn't there an email that was sent around? You mentioned something about an email that was sent around in the DNC saying like, quit using the word social. Oh, no, they, they had a phone call and it was a leaked phone call where basically some of these more moderate Democrats like, stop it. You have cost my friends seats. You almost cost me seats. Like, if you keep using this language, this is what's going to happen because we can't win on this. And the Republicans have used this pretty effectively against us. And I will say this. This is one other thing. You can say whatever you want about Trump's personality. We're not going to get into that right now. But it, it is true that the Democrats have gone too far left. Yeah. This argument the Republicans have gone too far right is not really true. I mean, they, they haven't done anything with the deficit. Maybe that – and they haven't, like, cut tax as much as we would want. Um, they haven't done anything with Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, things like that, which, like – that would be the definition going too far right. I mean, they're doing tariffs, which is like basically something that used to be a Democratic thing. So I do- Justice reform that used to be a Democrat thing. Republicans have taken it. I know. So this idea that the Democrats have gone too far left and then you have the argument that the Republicans have gone too far right. It's like, no, they haven't. Maybe, I mean, in a lot of ways, they haven't done enough fiscally for me to, to, but but it's just- Like, let's go a little more. (laughs) Democrats are clearly shifting one way and the Republicans are. They're they're, they're kind of taking it, like you said, criminal justice reform is something that used to be a left thing. Um, They're not- going to the extremes like the Democrats are. I think that unless they figure that out, I think it's a hard sell. They're going to have a tough time. The Democrats are going to have a tough time in two years. I I totally agree. And if they do, and if they fix it, then Republicans are going to have a tough time campaigning on something else because if they come back to the center, like you said, Republicans are going to the center more and more and more. You can't have both in the center. That's just not how that is. But and, and the Republicans have that same issue. They have to watch kind of the Tea Party type folks, or even even the Trump loyalists. Like if you're gonna get, like you have to kind of find this middle ground too. Because to, to win elections, you need to put together. It, it's not the loudest people in your party. If it was, you have basically socialists and then um, especially anarchists on the other side that would be ruling. But but they are that's the small that. percentage, two five ten percent, and the eighty percent is what you need to win. So I think people sometimes confuse enthusiasm with what you need to actually win an election. Yeah. You know, sometimes I wish that I didn't care so much so that I could watch this from the outside, like a social experiment, but I just, I care too much, but I wish that I didn't so that I could just kind of see all of this going down and deliver unbiased thoughts on it. And it's interesting. And I try to, I mean, I do my best to try to separate myself as much as I can, because I, I understand, obviously I have certain feelings, but without really, I mean, I didn't want him to win necessarily, but I did think Biden was going to win because like, you can look at some of these numbers and if you can separate yourself from what's going on, you can kind of analyze it better, more like a, it sounds like, but more like a sporting event or a sports game and say, oh, well, they're doing this, they do this, they'll have a better chance of winning. So I just try to do my best to separate myself from kind of that when, I, when I'm analyzing it. Yeah, I was glad to have you there. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't quite do that. You year. never have said that in your whole life before, so. I know, and I'll never say it again. <laughs> I can't believe I let that happen. All right, call it, call it like a thing. Thanksgiving miracle or whatever. I'm thankful for you one day only, Mark. Um, (laughs) Speaking of Thanksgiving, uh, we are, I I love Thanksgiving. I used to not like it so much because it was a holiday where like all of my massive country family was all in one house. And I can't handle that many people for that much time, especially when I'm sleepy, which turkey makes you sleepy. Um, This year, I had a family Thanksgiving with some friends on Sunday, and I will be going to the beach with my family for this Thanksgiving, just the three of us. 
And um, I, I don't know about you, Mark, but I, I know that mashed potatoes aren't just a Thanksgiving food, but Thanksgiving is the one day that I can eat a lot of mashed potatoes and like not feel bad about it. Like you can have a one color plate. Like I want my plate to be brown. Like I want turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes and green bean casserole and sweet potato. Like I want everything to be monochromatic carbs. Well, do you put gravy? Do you put gravy on your mashed potatoes? No, I only put it on the dressing. Okay, because I, I like the mashed potatoes plain, which is as much do. butter as possible. Like just and salt. And salt that up. I love also, salt. Sometimes you can, now I'm not good at this, but if you can melt cheese on it too, that's even oh, better. I'm not as true. big, I, I can't even make mashed potatoes, but if I could, I, that would be the best thing you can make. Mark, they come in a, you can make them in a box. Don't try. Don't it, try. It's, it's already too much work. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> okay. Well, as far as Thanksgiving foods, that's what I want. That's what I want our last question to be to you, Mark. I, I, Thanksgiving food for me. I love the green bean casserole. My mom makes the best dressing ever. I know in the North, y'all call it stuffing. We call it dressing in the South. She makes the best dressing. I mean, I was just sitting outside a few minutes ago. It's like 10 a.m. right now. And my mom walked out with a warm piece of cornbread for me to have with my coffee. That's how you know you're in the South when mom has already made cornbread for the dressing and she brings a slice out while I'm working. That's that's Second question. When she makes stuffing, does she put like, like, does she put onions in them? Yeah. So the dressing. I don't like that. I, I like the stovetop stuffing is my favorite. No. I like that more no. than any homemade. Mark, the dressing is chicken broth and white bread and cornbread and celery and onions and, and hard boiled eggs. And yeah, it's good. I, no, I think stovetop has it right. I feel like they've, they've perfected the thing. But okay. That's but she, the guy who can't make mashed potatoes. All right. What's your. Your mom's a good cook, right? She's like everything she makes is good. My mom's an excellent cook. I can't live up to it. I never will. In, in a lot of ways, but yes, that's true. So, but so I think that you agree though. I mean, to me, the, I don't like, you know, I don't like Thanksgiving food that much, but I think that mashed potatoes is the I knew it. best thing you can have. It's the thing that I look forward to every year and it's great. And I also like, I think that the, I like eggnog, which is not a, it's not a food, but eggnog is great at Thanksgiving. And then pecan pie, which is a dessert, but so good. That's what I'm making tomorrow. I'm making no pecan pie and my, so usually I'm going to give away my secret, but usually pecan pie is just made with like caro corn syrup. And it's like two cups of corn syrup. I use one cup of corn syrup and one cup of maple syrup Ooh. and it adds to the pecan pie. And I put a few chocolate chips in, not a lot. I want to be chocolate heavy, but just a little sprinkling of chocolate chips before you pour the pe- pecans in and that is, I'm telling you, that's that's my pecan pie secret. Well, I don't like the chocolate chips, but I will say for all the things that we criticize you on, you're very good at baking. Like you do a good job with like cookies and pie. Like that's kind of your thing. Yes, it is. It's the one thing that I know I can do well. I can grill pretty well too. I can make a really, I can grill because I feel like grilling is easy. Don't ask me to make anything in the oven. Ask me for desserts and like I can, I can grill some hot dogs and hamburgers, but don't ask me well, to do anything else. You need to bring some leftover pecan pie to our, to, we're going on a retreat next week. So bring that with you. And I, I would love to try because I'm, I'm a big fan of pecan pie. Oh, I'm making a pecan pie. I'm a grocery store one. Yeah, well, don't buy a grocery store and make one, Mark. Come on. I'm bringing a pecan pie and a creme brulee pie to our um, retreat next week. So I'll get Mark to deliver his honest thoughts on my desserts um, on the podcast next week. The creme brulee pie sounds amazing. I cannot wait. I'm going to torch the top of it. For the week before, because I'm going to eat as much of that as possible. I'm going to torch the sugar on the top of it to make it have that hard layer of sugar that you crack with your spoon. Anyway, it's going to be amazing. We'll we'll take picks. But Mark, any final thoughts before we sign off for Thanksgiving? 
Now I'm just excited to eat now. You did it when I'm hungry. So that was a bad time to have a conversation. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's the worst. I'm going to go eat some more cornbread. Y'all have a great day.